0: What's well, crack a everybody? My is Smart Guy Matt Zappali here. Hey, to you from Dallas, Texas, and back in the studio once again for an interview here with a distinguished gentleman here in Dallas. So this is episode fifty-five. So uh, guys, we're plugging along here, getting closer and closer to the century mark. But in studio with me today is Chad O. Jackson, is a Dallas-based entrepreneur and researcher who starred in the hit 2020 film Uncle Tom and the subsequent 2022 film Uncle Tom Two. And Chad is a frequent contributor to podcasts, radio shows, news programs, and to the Uncle Tom YouTube channel, making the case for moral, Christian ethics, family values, independence, and intentional citizenship. Jackson was a 2016 Republican candidate for District 111 uh, and for the Texas House of Representatives. And uh, we're going to have, a co- I stumbled across his content on Instagram, just saw his ability to articulate very controversial topics and a very understandable way. And uh, we're going to talk today about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk today about the, the black experience. Some of the, uh, maybe some Cat Williams uh, uh, response here too as well. But uh, um, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm gl- very I'm, happy to I'm be glad
0: here. you're here, man. Very yeah. good. Chat, chat in the house. Very yes, good. Sir. Yes, sir. So um, we are talking here earlier. So uh, originally from Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so uh, t- talk, to us about your, talk to us a little bit about your upbringing.
1: Yeah. So I actually grew up in, uh, in Tarrant County. So Fort Worth area. And you know, was born in 1990 uh, to a dad from Arkansas and a mom from Oklahoma. So very much a southern upbringing. Nice. Um, my dad really instilled in us work ethic and just being out there in the elements, yeah. working, punching the earth to make a living. Okay. Um, anytime we would be in the house playing video games, my dad would come in the house, turn the video games off, and find something for outside for us to do. So that was my upbringing, a uh, very hard work ethic. and. Um, you know happy while I was growing up, it was very difficult and I resented my dad. But I later in life came to appreciate him for that because yeah. if not for that, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And
0: you have you're one of three, right?
1: One of five, one of five kids. I have a brother and sister older than me and a brother and sister younger than me. Gotcha. So, yeah.
0: and, and today you have your own family, yep. You yep. got your, your own set of uh, chitlins yourself <laughs> as well, <laughs> yep. yep. And so, and so you know, when I was watching your content, when I was watching some of your reactions to certain things that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I'm not black, but my, my, my wife is half white, half black. My children are black. I, I was raised around a black community in Chicago. It's black, Latino, Italian, bohemian type neighborhood. I was the only Filipino kid around. But just me knowing how my black friends think, you're fairly controversial mm-hmm. when it comes to a lot, <laughs> yeah. it comes to a, lot, a lot of the topics. So um, before we get to that, though, how did you arrive at your political beliefs, because for, for most of my friends, whether back home or in the military, a lot of them are very Democratic, left-leaning uh, type of voters mm-hmm. and, and, and advocates of those policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can the government do for me? Let me get get this from the government, etc., etc. et cetera. How did you arrive at uh, how you thought, how are you thinking today?
1: Well, the way that I arrived at how I think today in terms of politics and philosophy is it, it starts with my faith. Um, my politics is downstream of my faith. Mm. And when you look at a lot of the views and ideals espoused by what we know today as the Democratic Party, they're out of step with what the Bible says. For that matter, even a lot of what the Republicans believe are also out of step with what the Bible says. So (laughs) my political evolution is I was never really a Democrat because my parents didn't really push uh, Democrat policies on us.
0: Give me me an example.
1: Uh, So my parents aren't are what you might call apolitical. Okay. Um, they liked some things about Bush uh, in 2000. Mm-hmm. And my mom actually voted for Bush, uh, but they voted for Clinton before Bush. So, yeah. you know what I mean? They, they like yeah. things that, that Clinton did and, and things that he stood for in the 90s. They like things that Bush did in the early 2000s. So there and, were policies over party? Policies over party. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, they were very much, what can I get out of the candidacy of this president? Um, that was their line of thinking. And so I guess that was my kind of political upbringing. Um, but we also grew up in church. And a lot of the things that Jesus himself preached, yeah. uh, in my opinion, are out of step with what we know as a Republican and Democrat Party of today. Yeah. Uh, for example, this whole concept of, if you don't work, you don't eat. The Democrat Party doesn't teach that. Yeah. Republican Party might play to some of those sentiments which by, but, which by the way that's a yeah biblical principle Republican Party might play to some of those sentiments but in practice they also don't um, they also don't practice this notion of of uh, you know working hard for what you earn they might say things on the campaign trail but when you look at what the Republican Party does in Congress and in the Senate uh, you'll find that more often than not, they're just like the Democrat Party. So my, my political evolution, uh, whenever I first uh, really got into politics was, well, I'm not a Democrat because they don't believe what the Bible says. I must be a Republican. So I was beating the Republican tr- uh, drum for a long time. And then as I grew in my faith and realized that a lot of the Republican politicians are no different than the yeah. Democrat politicians, I have left the Dem- the Republican Party and I'm an independent today, Mm -hmm. Um, but what I advocate more for are um, um, policies—not so much policies as much as the belief or the notion that the answer to your problems isn't always even a political answer. Mm -hmm. Most of the answers that you'll find for your issues Mm Uh, are on you, mm-hmm. what you can do and what you need to do as a man. You need to take responsibility for your own life, not look to the government, whether that re- government is run by a Republican or a Democrat, not look to the government to solve your problems for you. Um, that That's what I'm an advocate for. However, the government is responsible, I guess you could say, for the climate or the environment under which you operate. Mm-hmm. And so with that being the case, it is important for you to vote. And it is important for you to vote for somebody who is, for one, sticking to the edicts of the Constitution mm-hmm. but and not infringing on your rights as a man, uh, as a family man or a businessman, whatever the case may be. Because what we don't need is a government that will put more roadblocks in front of you as far as being an entrepreneur, as far as raising your family, whatever the case may be. So to that extent, I do vote. and it just so happens that more Republicans are in line with my way of thinking yep. than our Democrats. Uh, but you know, I'm a conservative insofar that I believe in the constitution and getting back to the constitution. Unfortunately, a lot of your Republican politicians uh, don't, th- that's not the kind of conservative that they are. So this is why I find myself at odds with even them.
0: Because the conservative on their end is still bought by right. super PACs. Exactly, 100%. So, so when, when you're looking at, um, by the way, I found a scripture, 2 Thessalonians 3. Mm-hmm. If a man will not work, he should not eat.
1: There you go. Bam. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> Ten people can read that scripture right. and they'll get the same understanding of it. Uh, when, when you're looking at, um, let me ask you this question. Uh, we were having a conversation before we got started here. You are t- talking about some Marxist policies. I'm a big fan of capitalism. Mm-hmm. I'm a capitalist. Yeah. You know, Capitalism allowed this kid with a 2.2 GPA. Mm-hmm. No college to come out the military and make something of himself. Mm. And I'm not dependent upon government. You know, uh, we were sharing earlier that we got more of our guys today being more independent, financially independent, that have been working with us the last eight years right. than being dependent on the government. So they're, they're more. You know, they've got economic empowerment. So, for the layperson that's out there, they may not understand really because you hear these words fascist, Marxist, socialist, capitalist. Can you help us weave through some of the riffraff here? What are the things that are most meaningful to you?
1: Well, Marxism is a very interesting philosophy, uh, unfortunately, that a lot of black folks believe in. When you look at the 2018 Cato study, Cato Institute study, they asked different people of different um, ethnic backgrounds, what they think about socialism versus capitalism. Mm-hmm. Every ethnic group said that they favor, uh, that they're more in favor of capitalism than socialism, except for black folks. 60% of black folks that they polled said that they are more in favor of socialism. So my question becomes, well, why is that? How, how did this come to be? Hmm. And the fact of the it's matter a large, is, it's a large yeah, it's a, it's a very large percent. And I think the 20th century, and I actually stole this from a friend of mine, but the, the 20th century, the story of the 20th century is Marxism. And no demographic, no ethnic group has been so affected by Marxism throughout the 20th century than black folks. Um, when you look at the civil rights movement, when you look at a lot of the activism and, and even what went on in a lot of these churches, the idea of marxism was really pushed now what is marxism marxism is the idea that the government controls the means of production that everything is being equated by the government for everybody that you know they're looking for equity Mm -hmm. to the extent that you know one group is experiencing more uh, disparities than another group it's the government's job to try to um Elevate this group at the expense of that group to try to make everything equitable. So that that's one of the aspects of, of Marxism. Um, and, and it's
0: from Karl Marx, who was a German philosopher, right? Born in nineteen, uh, excuse me, 1818. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's still relatively it's a new f- type of philosophy, right? Right. But uh, people grav- gravitate to it. What type of personality traits gravitate towards? leaning more on government providing everything versus me providing it for myself.
1: Well, we were talking earlier before we started recording, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, You said it, or the way that you put it was, uh, we are complacent by nature, Uh, we are covetous, we don't want to work hard. These are some of the traits that are more drawn to mm. Marxism. Uh, this whole notion of, you know, to each according to their ability, to each according to their need. This is one of the slogans that Marxists use. Yeah. This notion that in a, in a social uh, context, everybody should be able to put in their own degree of effort whether it be a lot of effort or a little effort, yep. from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Everything should be dispersed in such a way that everybody gets equal. This is a concept yep. of Marxism. Yep. A lot of young, impressionable people, especially young, impressionable college students are are attracted to this notion because they believe that this Marxist ideology will eradicate poverty, will eradicate racism, and all the things. Yeah. They are delusional.
0: We just had our experiment here the last three four years. Right. Eighty percent of all the money mm-hmm. printed in the history of America, right? Since 1776, it mm-hmm. has been printed since 2000, 2000 2023, exactly. 24. There you go. And has more black people been red, mm-hmm. rich and wealthy? Has more Filipinos and Latinos and Asian become wealthy as a result of it? And by yeah. the way, I'm going to break down the ethnic group population here in a second. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my friends from Chicago are more wealthy. Mm-hmm. They got a lot. They got more stuff. Right. They. they own they owe a lot more things versus than what they own <laughs> yeah you know because right. where, where did the money really flow to mm-hmm. those that had assets
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know I, I took my first uh, uh uh when i was going through very hard times it was early 2000s my first exposure to that was Getting a car title loan.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: That <laughs> yeah. paid off car. was a of 300. <laughs> and I was going through some tough times. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it was maybe, maybe five $6,000. I went, to, here's my car title. What can I get for you? Well, I'll give you about 2500 bucks for it.
1: Okay, oh, I could sure <laughs> use that.
0: <laughs> but if I don't pay it back within the next 30, 60 days, 300%. Right. Wow. So actually in my will and my trust. That seems predatory. It, it, but legal. Mm-hmm legal, so right. so in my will and my trust today, mm-hmm. I actually put that letter to my to my my kin, mm. whoever's going to my, my my stuff, is that this is what happens when you don't manage your money right? Mm. Somebody takes away your money three hundred percent. Yeah, you know. So yeah. So okay. So talk talk to us about now, the flip side. Karl Marx talks about now the flip side of capitalism because, I gather you're you're a fan of of Soul. Yeah. you're Okay, because he studied under Milton Friedman. Right, right. So talk to us about the tenants. I gather you're a big fan of capitalism since you are a capitalist.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say – I mean, capitalists, people have to understand that this word – and I'm and I, and I I'm not going to knock people for using it because it's how we linguistically understand the world and, and philosophy and economics. So, uh, But truth be told, this word capitalism is a word that originated out of Marxist theory, out of Marxist ideas, mm. namely that you have people people who are the quote unquote capitalists who wish to get rich off the backs of exploiting or off the back of exploiting other people's labor so that's the whole no it's a, it's a, it's a derogatory word that that originated with the um with the Marxists I think the real word that I am is a um Which free market. markets yeah yeah, yeah I'm yeah. more for free markets I'm more for little to no government involvement in the free market and the transaction between employee and employer and vice versa. Free enterprise. Free enterprise. There you go. Uh, I'm an advocate for free enterprise for the free market. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's what, when you look at someone like a Thomas Sowell or Milton Friedman, these are also the things that they advocated for. And I think that they were able to uh, articulate it in such a way that a lot of people were able to grasp and, um, right now, what we're dealing with, you know, Mm -hmm. when you look at capitalism, um, those who are advocating for Marxism are making the case that look at, we've had a hundred plus years of capitalism and look at all the exploitation, look at the inequity, look at this, look at that. So the wealth gap. Right. The wealth gap. And they, they say, well, we already have a socialist type of system. Look at how the government treats corporations. This is an example of, of marxism this is an example of socialism why can't we bail out people who are impoverished in the same way that we bail out the banks, banks. and the auto industry yeah. and things of this nature yeah. and they say this as if they have as if they've one-upped folks like myself when the reality is i'm exit i'm against the very existence of the government bailing out these industries in the first place i don't believe in a too big to fell notion. Yeah. Uh, right. right we should fail if, if you are is going to respond to that Precisely, I believe in the auto correction of the market, people voting with their dollars and so it's the same thing with, when someone tries to say not to change the subject but when someone says well you know you're against democrats and you're against leftist uh, uh ideas what about the republicans it's like well hold on you can't use that argument against me because i'm not a republican yeah. i can look at i can look at everything objectively or I try to at least i'm still a human being at the end of the day but i can i try to look at everything objectively if a republican did something that's unbecoming of the constitution mm-hmm. i'm going to say so in the same way that if democrats do it this whole idea of capitalism or the free market, um, I don't think we've really given the market a chance to autocorrect itself because you've always had government involvement. Yeah. Um, but to the extent that the government gets involved, it always worked to the detriment of America, not to the not to the benefit.
0: Because I'm, I'm looking at some of my failures. Mm-hmm. Uh, got married, obviously, to the wrong in the wrong time, in the mm-hmm. wrong place, to the, to the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Uh, got divorced. So here's my year. Yeah, you're going to like this one. Came back from the deployment. Mm-hmm. I get married. Nine months later, have a kid. Three months later, file for divorce and bankruptcy. Mm. What a great year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call that my motivational year of change. The American dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the tenets of free enterprise? Free to buy, uh, free to sell, free to win, free to fail. Free to fail, yeah. People don't like that part.
1: Right, right. <laughs> they
0: like the win part, they don't like the fail part. And so I failed. Uh-huh. But because of those failures caused me to correct myself that the, the the if 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 somebody said okay man listen I know you're going through a year. let me just pay off your debt, maybe I would have continued the same behaviors. Mm, yeah. And then because I continued the same behaviors, I'd end up in debt again, and right. somebody bails me out again, and I'd never learn. Mm-hmm. I just remember telling myself in court, I was like, I don't, I don't go to court very often, but damn, I don't like being here. Right. People here aren't friendly. People here aren't, aren't looking out for me, and people, it's a, it's a very tense, right. emotional, you know, dry, cutthroat environment to be mm. in. Mm-hmm. and so I don't want to be back in court again, mm-hmm. and I just got divorced from this woman, and she did all this stuff, child support and child manipulation, Try to get things... Like, I don't never wish divorce and and, and parental... Fighting over parental rights and custody on anybody. Right. That, that shit sucks. Right. And, uh, but I remember telling myself, I'm never going to be in this situation again. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I got clear. So people said, what do you want? I said, I didn't know what I wanted, but I was clear what I don't want. Right, right. And I don't want to fail.
1: That's a great example.
0: And so... Um, when, when, when people are uh putting this, let me ask you this question when, when people are looking at their finances in your community mm-hmm. in our community in our country what do people stereotypically say right in, mm-hmm. in, in your upbringing and your placement in church in the black community mm-hmm. in america is there top three things that people say they just kind of has this knee-jerk reaction to because maybe they just have a misunderstanding and if they looked at it from a different context their lives might be better mm-hmm. is there certain things about money about uh, the way a country operates what are, if you were to rank the top two yeah. three four five mm-hmm. what, what would you say those would be
1: well I mean th- that's actually a very interesting question um, I don't I don't claim to know that I know that the top two or three things that they will say but I know that we've been conditioned to believe that you know that the fact that I don't have as much money, as i otherwise should is someone else's fault ah it's someone else's fault That's right it's, it's never really my fault it, it, if this policy were to pass i wouldn't be in this financial situation if this senator or this president were to do this that or the third yeah. i wouldn't be in this financial situation when you look yeah. at for example the fact that donald trump is slated to win more of the black vote this time around than he did last time around that's a very interesting phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And a lot of conservatives uh, see this as a good thing. And part of me also sees it as as a good thing. But the way that my mind goes is I start wondering, well, why is that? And what you'll find, at least as it pertains to a lot of your prominent rappers like Sexy Red or YG, their theory is that the reason why more black folks are voting for Trump is because he passed a PPP loan. Uh, I I think that's what it was called. he he's giving out money, yeah. says they. And that's very interesting. Sexy because, red, huh? You yeah. talking about Pound town Yeah, Fountown. <laughs> Fountown. her, her
0: chad Ch- listen to Poundtown, maybe
1: her her, her <laughs> anus is brown. <laughs> it uh,
0: rides, right. It wink it winks. <laughs> Not that I have ever looked at the lyrics.
1: <laughs> but uh, but um you know, she went on Theo Vaughn's uh podcast and so too did YG, and, and they both said the same thing, uh, which is that Trump is giving out money and this is the reason why we are are voting for For him and this is the reason why we're supporting him and a lot of people are celebrating this a lot of conservatives are celebrating this look we're we're diversifying our party now we have more blacks and and urban people coming Mm -hmm. to the party and i'm not as enthusiastic about that yeah because it's like if they were coming to the party or coming to our line of thinking on a principled basis that's something worth celebrating but if Trump is doing the same thing as the left in terms of giving out money, yeah, they're bought. Then they're yeah, bought and, yeah. and they're coming to the party not with principles, but with this notion of somebody's gonna give me something.
0: Because somebody else can give something else bigger right. down the road.
1: Right. And so it's like you can you can add numbers to your party all you want, but your principles are dying. Your principles mm. are rotting away. Mm. And when your principles are rotting away, what's the point of staying at your party if I'm a grown man? who's an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. with a family, Mm -hmm. I I want to have a party that's going to uh, stand on those principles, stand Mm -hmm. on those ideas, not get rid of those principles and ideas Mm -hmm. so they can let more people into the party, if that makes sense. And so, again, when people are looking at their finances, unfortunately, I think their mind is, hmm, there's not a lot I can do. Me personally, to add to this number, what can someone else do to add to this number? And I think that's one of the problems. It's probably not the question that you were asking, but unfortunately, no, 100 percent. Yeah,
0: but, but but by the way, that's not a that's not a black thing either. That's right. a Filipino thing. That's mm-hmm. an American thing. Um, let me ask you this question more specifically with inside the church. Mm-hmm. What are pe- what are some stereotypical things that people said about money and faith, and money and religion? That uh, that's got a knee jerk reaction to, based on the values and principles you being an entrepreneur, you mm-hmm. employing people, you taking the risk to going out there and then creating jobs for people by finding jobs. Mm-hmm. What are some of those knee-jerk reactions that you see in church that that say, you know what, I think that, that's incorrect. I love yeah. you in church. I love you as my fellow brother, mm-hmm. but I think you're looking at money the wrong way.
1: Well, there are a lot of people that believe, well, if I tithe more or if I give more to the church, then God will bless me. And, and, um, and I don't know. I guess I have mixed feelings about that. Um, I, I do know that God knows the heart, and he knows um, – He knows the reasons we do the things that we do. Mm -hmm. And we also know that God will um, give people the desires of their heart when they Mm -hmm. trust and follow Him. But Mm -hmm. that's the key part, when you trust and follow Him. If you desire to uh, do something or be someone who is praised and worshipped and all the things, and your way of doing it is giving the church money, um, I think that your heart is in the wrong place. Um, But again, it's one of those things where um whether you're talking about the church, whether you're talking about family, whether you're talking about the public schools, I don't believe anyone is teaching the proper lessons when it comes to money. Even in my own household, and I hate to say this, my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned his own business ever since I could remember, but not even he taught us about money and the proper way to use money and, and all the things. A lot of these things I'm having to figure out on my own. Um, so well, now you got friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get you back, bro. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The, the, the thing here, too, is, you know, when, when I'm looking at, for example, a friend of mine in church one time, she said, you know, she says, man, I gave $10,000 to the church and they didn't even call me. Mm. Why should you wait for the church to call you? Right. What were you giving it for? Right. You were looking for recognition.
1: Looking for recognition. Acknowledgement. acknowledgement. Pat on the back.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, you, know, you gave because you felt led mm. that. By the way, there's only one scripture I've ever seen God say, test me. Mm-hmm. To Malachi, mm. right? It's in Malachi, right? It says, Test me in your money, test me in your tithings. Right. To see if I don't open up the, the windows of heaven, your mm. star, storehouses can't even fill the blessing i about to right. share with you. If you test me with your tithes, you test me with your money, because he knows that's an area that we hold close to us and we're covetous towards that because right. we don't have it. We want it from other people. and That's mm. why sadly people rob when they have it themselves. But I've never, you know, maybe when I was walking in faith and now I was looking for that, you know, faith. A financial leaders meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nah, if the pastor and anybody in that church ever recognized me, that's not what I'm doing, for right. me, man. Yeah, that's between me and the Creator, man. Right. You know, yeah. if the church messes it up, if they screw up the the, the that's that's their stewardship mm-hmm. responsibility. Yeah. That's that's not mine. My stewardship responsibility is, you know, what give God into, give to give unto God his God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. Right. And yeah. so
1: never let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. I mean, I was at church just last Sunday, and as the plate was being passed. I saw a wad of $100 bills <laughs> in the plate. And I'm wow. like, wow, like that's how you give. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's faith, baby. Right, that's Come faith. on. Nobody put knows the where that cash came from. Yeah. Came from. Like yeah. I didn't see who put that wad of 100 mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that was the point. You know what I mean? The point was to give yeah. anonymously or to give. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. I love it. Yeah.
0: You know, we're, we're talking a little bit about Sexy Red. right? And I, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I cannot have a conversation with you. i bring out Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. So... My initial reaction just listening to some of the... I didn't watch the whole thing. But just my initial reaction to some of these things, I mean, I let him finish his points. I saw the context of his points. Mm. And now Shannon Sharp was very masterful in his interview, just letting him talk. I think it broke the internet like 50 million views by now.
1: Yeah.
0: But, and I look at what Cat Williams has done. When I look at what Cat Williams is worth today, the things he said about other people, it came to me from a position of, it almost came to a position of, they're much more ahead in the business than I am. They're much more financially set than I am, and that's why I got to spread this, these words out. He appeared to be disgruntled. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Disgruntled employee. Disgruntled where he's at in his career. What's the purpose of calling Kevin Hart a plant? Right. Do you know how much business and, and blessings Kevin Hart has given to him? He sold his company, Hartbeat Productions, for eighty-five million bucks. Right. Right. He's created a lot of jobs for people. He just got a new movie out,
2: mm-hmm. uh, Lift. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Hilarious movie, by the way, because he's, he's actually trying to play an action, action, action role. <laughs> I'm not a, not a comedian, but I, I empathize for Cat because mm-hmm. I think he's a, I think he's a extremely talented guy, and the way he, commu- he's a wonderful, masterful communicator. I just, I just think that the wor- the things that he shared, a lot of people already know. Mm-hmm. What's the point? And I'm not a big gossip guy, and I think he instead of being constructive about it, to turn into gossip. And I think, um, I, but sadly, guess what? America and the world is rewarding
1: mm. that gossip, gossip, They're, tabloids, yeah, tabloids and ah, one liners. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate. And, and you know, as my friend um, Blanche acknowledges, he says, and I agree that when you look at this whole Cat Williams situation, um, you have to look at his motive, just like what you said, like you have to look at his reasoning behind what he you know, why he's saying the same things that he's saying. Is there secret societies in Hollywood? Yes, there are. Is there this? Is there that? Yes, there are. There's no denying that. Um, However, what's his reason for doing this kind of tell-all thing? Um, I don't think it's uh, pure. I don't think it's righteous. I don't think he's coming from a a righteous place. Because when you look at what he was saying, he's making much of himself. Mm -hmm. How is he making much of himself? Well, he's, he's exaggerating his intelligence and all the things. He's saying that... I read 3,000 books a year, which is impossible. That's 8.2 books per day. There's, there's, there's <laughs> no way that you can do that.
0: He's doing the math. Right. The, yeah, math, the, ain't the math, math, math ain't <laughs> math. The math ain't math like it's supposed to math.
1: He's saying, like, you know, at the age of 14, I left home with my Rottweiler puppy from Ohio to yeah. Florida. I lived on the streets, and I was able to buy a home. It just doesn't – it seems like a movie. It doesn't seem real. But he's trying to communicate or, or impress upon you. I'm a man of intelligence, I'm a man of resourcefulness. I sold you know, I've, I've done more um, Netflix specials or, or comedy specials than anyone dead or alive. He's making much of himself. This is what we call boasting. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and
0: he says I, I did I did I've done 19100 city tours, right. Nobody's done that
1: right. Nobody's done that. I'm, I respect the hustle though. right. Yeah, I'm superior in this way. I'm superior yeah. in that way. And then he proceeds to tell you about all the dirt of these of his colleagues and his competitors so for me it seems as if yeah. you're 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 boosting yourself at the expense of others That's right and then you're saying this person's a plant that person's not funny when i watched the last two um cat williams's specials i barely he barely got a chuckle out of me now maybe i'm too i'm, I'm just not that easily impressed or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. maybe i'm a tough crowd uh, but i wasn't i wasn't too impressed with it i feel at this stage in his career He's getting what we what I personally call um, honorary laughs or honorary mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. attention. Uh, you see this with people who we call the goats, whether they be in sports or whether they be in comedy or music, even you know, Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Jay Z can can release a mediocre album today, yeah, but it will sell like yeah. crazy because will, of who he is. Because of who he yeah, is, yeah. he doesn't have to do anything over the top yeah. or spectacular he's jay-z so you have to respect you know the legend he's the goat never mind the fact that the content or isn't but that's neither here nor there uh when it comes to cat williams um uh, i have to take what he says with a grain of salt because it's coming from a place of of envy Mm -hmm. and just being disgruntled um but but the point that blanche makes that i agree with is that if he were coming from a place of look This whole celebrity class thing has done a lot to uh to basically decline the morale and the morality of our society of american culture for the last 100 years because we look to the celebrity class because we get our cues from the celebrity class of how we are supposed to deal with each other on a peer-to-peer level on what Uh, lifestyles are good versus which lifestyles are bad because we've got those cues from the celebrity class we don't we haven't fared so well as a society Mm -hmm. and so if his message was stop looking to celebrities on how you should live your life yes if that was his message that's a worthy message that's it but that wasn't his message his message was look at how great I am compared to these other folks
0: I've never been a fan of elevating yourself at the expense of making other people look bad right you know it's it's uh, i don't know if there's a word for that but that's not a, it's not a wise move it doesn't elevate you for the for the balls that are ballers for the players mm-hmm. that are players right you know to average joe like, oh man he said oh, my gospel cool. yeah, yeah. other you know, different things that's why i get so many eyeballs mm-hmm. but the principled guys mm-hmm. don't look at it
1: yeah that's
0: why they can't finish the interview
1: and the thing is cat williams doesn't have to say the things that he says like yeah. he, he's funny by himself yeah like like stand on the merits of of your of your catalog of, yeah. of what you've been able to produce yeah. Uh, because at this point with the grays in your beard and all the things, and you're saying, well, th- this celebrity does this and that celebrity does that, and this comedian does this and that comedian does that, it's just not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> you know not what I'm saying? All. Like if you have not grays all. in your beard or grays in your hair, yeah. you you're supposed to be speaking wisdom at the percent of your life. Yeah, speak like an OG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um let's talk about a little bit more about money on how, how you've how you've made money. So mm-hmm. you talk you talked to me right before we got started about being a plumber apprentice. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in Chicago where our basement kept flooding all the time. <laughs> all the time. And I'd wake up in and go to school. It was raining the night before. I looked down and I got sewage yeah. all on my basement floor. Oh, wow. And I had to step out my own feet out of bed walk through somebody's crap and piss <laughs> and to, to deal with the pipe and make sure it, it goes back down. And I had to spend all day then just cleansing and cleaning and sanitizing everything else. Right. So a whole day, two days of me not going to school, that, that was my life. So I was a kind of quasi-plumber. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. But um, I want to show this clip here real quick. I want to get your reaction from it. Coming uh-huh. from the trade, uh, let's take a look at this clip here of this pl- plumbing apprentice they had a job cracking a pipe. Imagine <laughs>
1: some dookie gun here. Sound? i will fucking freak.
0: Can we do it again with sound? Alright, well, here we go. Here we see. go. Heat
1: that shit up. <laughs> 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 no, right. right. So what's you're he doing? Right. What's he doing with that phone? Dude, heat it up. Stop
0: it. talking about it! Yeah,
1: Yeah, you got it's it. You're like trying to loosen it. Yeah, yeah, boy! If you apply heat, it gets it warm enough ah, to exactly loosen. Yeah. Oh, here it comes. I do. Here it comes. Here it comes! So
0: I guess you can smell it right now. <laughs>
1: dude, dude, there's no time to throw up right now.
0: Work through it. <laughs> work through it. Work through it. Dude, bro, work through it. You got it. Is that what you've been telling you guys?
1: <laughs> Figure it
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> he's snaking it, in. he's puking still, so he's clean. What do you think's in that pipe, dude?
2: <laughs>
0: what do you think's in the pipe? <laughs> what, what do you think's in the pipe, though?
2: What do you think's in it? I <laughs> <laughs> think it's <that> <laughs> in
0: Oh on, my though. god It's some poop there There's <laughs> <this laughs> Stooky sitting, the <laughs> sitting on the floor of my fucking basement <laughs> There's just dookies on the floor. We don't even know who they are. Shut the
2: fuck up.
0: <laughs> 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 Alright, we just this out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the floor. So you own a plumbing company. Yeah, yeah
1: I own a plumbing company. That, that's part of your <laughs> part of your world. I mean, we do more new construction and and stuff like that. and uh, Then maintenance. Th- yeah, then yeah. maintenance and service. Uh, however, there's a lot of money to be made in maintenance and service, yeah. so we do we do some of it as well. But um, well, what strikes me most about that video is um, well, first of all. I think he picked the wrong trade. <laughs> be doing all that, um, but what strikes me most is, is this was clearly an older man. And, and don't get me wrong; it's never too late to get into the trades. But this is this is actually a problem, I think, mm. especially here in Texas, mm. where your average plumber is fifty-five years old. Wow! And um, you know, guys like myself, like I got my license when I was twenty-five years old, and so to be a plumber, to be a plumber. <laughs> But granted, I grew up with a dad who really instilled work ethic in me. I think that we are living in a changing time um, as it relates to the technological boom, where a lot of people are gravitating toward um, technology in such a way that the trades are becoming a thing of the past. You don't have a lot of young men getting into the trades. Yeah. And, um, and not only that, we live in a very comfortable um a, a comfortable society compared yeah. to our our grandparents and great grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad grew up in a on a on a ranch in Arkansas with thirteen brothers and sisters, Shh. where they grew up picking cotton and tobacco and uh, yeah. around cattle and and horses yeah. and things of this nature. So they had to work the land. Yeah. They probably went to school maybe two or three times a week. Uh-huh. And he was born in 1963. Yeah. Um, And so they had, like, they had no choice but to learn um, how to use their hands because they didn't grow up with the kind of amenities Mm -hmm. that we're growing up with in this day and age. All that to say, men aren't built like they used to be. And so um, by the time men are getting into trades, it's more of a thing of necessity, Mm. much like, I don't know, I don't claim to know that guy's background, but it was probably like, you know, I, I worked... In retail for this amount of time, and I worked in that for this amount of time, and nothing was really paying like it was supposed to. But I found out about this plumbing thing, yeah. and it pays pretty good money. Let me give this a try. What does
0: an average plumber What does an average plumber make?
1: The average plumber makes. So plumbers typically start out at around twenty dollars an hour in state taxes, uh, unexperienced, uh, no skills, mm-hmm. um, around twenty bucks an hour. It was fifteen dollars an hour for it a long time mm. until you had a lot of these communists talking about, um, $15 an hour should be the minimum wage. And so, um, yeah. and so yeah. that became a less sexy, uh, uh, wage, yeah. um, as far as a lot of people are concerned because nobody wants to have their wage. Sure. Uh, looked but, at but if the you want to increase the wage,
0: <laughs> if you've got to increase the wage. What does the, uh, business owner have to do?
1: Uh, he has to start letting people go. He has to start cutting back. Or is that increasing his prices? Increasing his prices. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, I mean, nobody ever looks at it from the business owner's side.
0: Because they're all they're all rich.
1: They're all rich. They're all white. Yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I mean it, it, it's it's crazy out here, but um, you know it's what we're dealing with. So
0: how do you take a profession like that and attract people to the plumbing industry? How do you attract plumbers to, yeah. to work for for your plumbing company?
1: It, it's becoming ever more difficult, uh, and, and I say that for a number of reasons. Um, it, It used to be the case that you attract them with the amount of money that they um, would potentially make. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's becoming more and more difficult is because our public schools are training people to look to the government, as we talked about earlier, Mm. uh, for their provisions, for fixing their situations, whether it be financial or or whatever the case may be. Gone are their days where people are looking to, what can I do in the way of a profession or a trade or a skill on a peer-to-peer ground level to make more money. Yep. Rather than looking at that as, as plan A, we're looking to the government as plan A. And you know, working with my hands is, is maybe plan C, D, or E. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm above that. Yeah, I'm above organized. that. I'm not about to like plumbing, are you kidding me?
0: The, <laughs> so, the, the, yeah. The challenge though is if the average age continues to be older and older, unless plumbers are coming into the trades, mm-hmm. well, that means that the plumbers are able to charge more money for what they're doing. Right,
1: yeah. Yeah, and we, I mean, the thing is, is like when I first started my business, um, there were people who tried to haggle with me as far as pricing is concerned. And my pricing was, you know, it's a formula. Um, I consider the—you uh, know what I want to make in terms of profit, price of materials, things of this nature. So there's-, there's Cost of
2: labor.
0: Yeah, yeah, cost
1: of labor. There's things that go into me coming up with a price. It's not like I just pulled something out of thin air. Yeah. Um, but there's people like, that's too that's too high. Um, you know, can can you do it for this or do it for that? And and initially, if, at first, I would do that because like, yeah, you're starting up, yeah, of course. But um, you know, I'm to the point now where it's like if you're trying to haggle with me, uh, I'm sorry, but you know, I can I can refer you to someone else but,
0: because you're losing money, now. right?
1: Like, this is our price, yeah. and uh, part of that is because you know people don't have respect for the trades, which is I, I get it. There's a lot of there's a lot of plumbers out there who don't really try to be presentable you know what I mean? They're they're rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I get it. Uh, There's a stigmatism attached to the trades. But at the same time, um, plumbers, electricians, auto mechanics, architects, engineers, Mm -hmm. these are the people who make the world go round.
0: Can can felons become a plumber?
1: Yes, they can. So they can get licensed? They can get licensed. Even if you have a felony? If you have a felony, yes. But you have to go before a committee. Uh, This is how they do it in Texas. You have to go before a committee. They ask you, they pepper you with questions yeah. they look at your record yeah. and they make a determination as to whether you okay. um whether you are true to who you say you are okay you know what I mean
0: there's my, my annoyance with those who have a felony mm-hmm. they may have made a mistake 20 years ago
1: right and have made a mistake mm-hmm. and yet they can't get a decent job right right yeah so
0: you, you've put that scarlet letter in somebody's chest yeah that they're a felon and they can't get a decent job and some of the
1: best plumbers i know have a, have a record and you will never know yeah. that they have a record in, until you ask them
0: you Yeah, because that one experience changed their life mm-hmm. but now they can't economically empower themselves right. i mean then you force them to, to right. do some
1: and in fact you know when it comes to folks with with a felony i encourage entrepreneurship don't don't subordinate yourself to whether somebody Will hire you, HR not. department. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy I know here in Dallas, a, a black dude, who spent 15 years, I think, in prison. Uh, got out. He bought him a little Ranger, a little beat up Ranger. He worked out of that as a handyman. Mm-hmm. He was able to raise enough money to buy a, a bigger truck. Worked out of that uh, doing small uh, custom homes. Yeah, was able to build himself up from that and was able to hire employees. Now he has an office in Dallas and he's awesome. doing. He's killing it. Yeah. Building large, you know, yeah. multi-million-dollar custom homes. Uh, he started from the bottom, and yeah. so again, if he would have gotten out and took a job working for somebody, mm-hmm. he would never have gotten to where he is because working for someone would have gotten in his way of becoming rich. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of getting rich, um, there's there's a um, there's a list here of. Um, ethnic groups that make money
2: mm-hmm.
0: but before i get to that uh, i stumbled across one of your videos because you know this guy i mean i held him in high regard um martin luther king mm. and uh, you have a video out there that 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 i had a dream speech was a scam mm. it's a yeah. pretty controversial topic I mean that, that, that speech inspired me to a lot. Of but by the way, I'm I'm open. I'm I'm reasonable. I'm I'm a guy that constantly wants to learn. I want to be the type of person that says I thought I was thinking something like this, but potentially I could be wrong, and I'm, I'm willing to listen to the other side. So so when when Martin Luther King says, you know, I want to get promoted based not on my uh, based on not on my my color of my skin, but the content of my character. That I pull that out. Mm. Okay. Uh, so when you say that I had a dream speech was a scam, can you unpack that?
1: How much time do we have? <laughs> no, I mean, the reason I ask that okay. in all seriousness is because you can't answer that question without setting the framework or okay. the backdrop okay. to make that make sense. Please, help us uh, get some context. Right, to, yep. to give context. And so, you know. I just had a title. do <laughs> I don't want you to explain that. It. <laughs> so it's important to understand that even though we can agree that. The whole idea of being judged not by the color of your skin but by the content of your character that's a universally good standard that Correct. we should all live by there's nothing wrong with with that particular okay. uh point um however just because that point was made by martha king doesn't necessarily make him this person that we should enshrine and have a day commemorating him each year um because satan himself wanted, the glory. Some, yeah, yeah, wanted the glory yeah he wanted the glory but even he whenever he was trying to tempt Jesus, when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, even he used scripture.
0: Wow, that's right.
1: And tried to twist it in such a way to get Jesus to bow down for him, for, uh, to him. And we we learned that the last tactic that he used was took him to the top of a high mountain and showed him the world and said, all this will be yours if you would kneel down and, mm-hmm. and worship me. And of course, Jesus, knowing who his true father is, uh, opted not to do that yeah, it's, it's, it's mine already <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, exactly and so again i think what yeah, more we're than doing, this yeah the, the whole the whole point of the speech was deception Martin Luther king didn't write the speech it was written by clarence b jones Bayard rustin and stanley levison all of whom were about communists um, wow and so when one asks the question well why is it that a communist who doesn't believe in the american ideals why would such a person write such a a speech that appears to be a very patriotic speech, a very mm-hmm. unifying speech. This is how deception works. It's the very reason why Satan used scripture to try to tempt Jesus. You use language that's familiar with the masses so as to get them to, so as to get you into their good graces that they mm-hmm. will trust you. Mm-hmm. Walter Lippmann writes about this in a book called um, Public Opinion. This book was written in 1922. He says that if a leader wishes to push a campaign amongst an unwilling people, the way that he does it is he uses speech, he uses rhetoric to get into their good graces. Whether that speech is using familiar language, whether it be religious language, whether it's pinching a grievance, whatever the case may be, to the extent that people accept you, you'll you'll earn their trust, and you can then use that trust to push a campaign. Never mind the fact that that campaign is altogether disconnected or even hostile to the initial rhetoric that you used, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. This is exactly what Martin Luther King did. He's talking about what we can construe as meritocracy. I want to be judged not by the color of my skin, but by the content of my character, my merit, what I'm able to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying in the speech, but what is he talking about after the fact? He's talking about radical mass distribution of wealth. Um, People don't talk about those speeches. What what is a radical mass redistribution of wealth? That's communism. That's Uh, Marxism. uh, He's talking about a, a universal income everybody regardless of what kind of work you put in remember from each according to their ability to each according to their need these are marxist ideas inside that speech in, well not that speech but but speeches that he gave later afterwards on. gotcha so he drew him in with that drew him in with the i have a dream speech and then used that now that i have your attention ah like wow. now now we're pushing the marxist ideas james cone who is a father of liberation theology or the social gospel the social gospel means that you believe not what the bible preaches where uh, individual salvation. Uh, God wants your heart. He doesn't care about your sacrifices and your your singing and the thing clanging of the the tambourine and all the things that we learned about in the Old Testament. He wants your heart. This is what the gospel teaches that God, like Christ, came to die for you. That you know. So that's the salvation piece. Mm-hmm. But now that now that you have repented, now what? Yeah. Okay, you make right. Christ your Lord. Yeah. It's on you to follow him as your Lord, regardless of the outside circumstances, this is what we call peace that surpasses understanding. Uh, Regardless of what your neighbor are doing or your friend is doing or what the world is trying to get you to do, you see clearly the Holy Spirit is what's what's leading me in the right direction. And the Holy Spirit will never teach you or advocate anything that's disconnected or that is disharmonious with the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's the same. It will always reinforce that. What the social gospel teaches is that it's not on you to repent and put your trust in, in Christ. It's on the world to, to, to change and to accommodate you. This is what the social gospel. That's t-
0: why the LGBT community wants everybody to conform right, to them. to conform to them. Ah, my and gosh. so,
1: Unfortunately, a lot of churches teach the social gospel. They preach from the pulpit, not that you have to repent And put your trust in christ but rather they preach against the ills and the sins of america Uh, white supremacy it's always somebody else something else so you leave church not with this notion that man i need to repent and give my life to christ you leave church bitter at america and its white supremacist system and this and that there's there's unfortunately a lot of churches that teach things like this martin luther king is not separate from that he i think is the one who initiated that now the grandfather of Liberation Theology was a man by the name of James Cone. Even he admits, and I have video of this, I think Mm -hmm. I played it on my social media. Even he admits that Martin Luther King talked about his Marxist ideas in private to his staff, but he never talked about it in public for fear of being um, identified or labeled a communist. So why was he murdered? Uh, So that's actually a very good question. In order to understand that, even, you have to understand the backdrop of, of how communism and socialism works one of the ways that it works is through um creating martyrs yeah, there's two way know. yeah there's yeah. two ways to create martyrs going to jail publicly so that the masses can look and say look this person cares so much about about like
0: Andrew Tate's yeah the Tate exactly. brothers. Yep.
1: bringing people together that they're willing to go to jail for it so so that's one of the ways you create a martyr another way that you create them is by killing yeah. that person or having that person publicly assassinated um and so Martin Luther King I think he made a bad deal and and whenever his purpose was done, was done um, they killed him and, in conjunction with the government. Yeah. It's not just something that the Soviet Union or these Marxist agents did. It was yeah. something that was done because the CIA mm-hmm. and even different people within the FBI, all of them were, were in on it. And the reason I know this is true is because I've seen a lot of the documents, but also because um, people forget. And I think, you know, PBD talks about this or talked about this on his show, which is um, ideological subversion. There was a man named Yuri Besmanov. He was a former KGB agent, and he linked up with a man named G. Edward Griffin. I actually know G. Edward Griffin. He's a friend of mine. He's in his 90s now. Um, So G. Edward Griffin uh, interviews Yuri Besmanov in 1984, and they're talking about ideological subversion. I think I remember seeing this video. Right. Yeah. It, wow. it went viral yeah. a few years ago. Wow. So, uh um, crazy. So he, he talks about, you know, how... That's what's going on right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going on right now. But he talked about how um, ideological subversion is the whole concept of imploding mm-hmm. a, a society from the inside yeah. through culture and through, you know, things of this nature. Um, and how there are agents, you know, working yeah. uh, uh, who are basically... Um, utilizing intellectuals and people of influence to push this kind of negative propaganda yep. um, and unfortunately with yuri bezmanov he tried to share this information not only with jared griffin but also with very established government agents and they ignored him and part of the reason why they ignored him is because they already knew they already knew what was going on yeah and a lot of them were in on it. A lot of them were part of it. So, anyway, all I know that's a lot to take in. Yeah. It's very heavy stuff. But
0: but that's the benefit of you having me coming on here because, you know, our audience is like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> well, I want the audience to win. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to think my way, Chad's way, the, the government. I want you to think for yourself. Gather enough information so, therefore, you can start thinking for yourself. Um, which leads me to my last topic here. Um, baked, you know, breaking it down in terms of the different incomes of the different ethnic cultures in America, mm-hmm. and I want to know your initial response to this, this video of who makes the most money per median income per capita in the United States of it's America. Either,
1: it's either Nigerians or Indians. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> so that, that's your prediction. Okay, yeah.
3: So let's take a look at this video. Median household income in the United States by ethnic group. Starting off at the bottom of our ranking in the 10th position we find African Americans with a median income of $35,000. Moving up to the ninth spot, Hispanic Americans have a median household income of $43,000. Continuing to the eighth position, Nepali Americans follow with a median income of $43,500. For reference, the average American come with a median household income of $56,200. Climbing up to the seventh position, Korean Americans have a median income of $59,200. Now let's focus on the sixth position, where white Americans have a median household income of (laughs) $59,900. Advancing to the fifth position, Pakistani Americans (laughs) secure a place in our ranking with a median income of $66,200. Stepping into the fourth position, Chinese Americans have a median income of $69,100. Moving up to the third position, Japanese Americans come in with a median income of $72,300. Following closely in the second position, Taiwanese Americans have a median income. Who did you say was number one? Either Nigerians or Finally, Indians. At the top of our okay. ranking, claiming the first position, Indian Bam. Americans. There you go.
1: <laughs> with a okay. Income. There you go. All right. So. so A lot of our customers are Indian. Yeah. In in the plumbing business. In the plumbing business. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Interesting. By the way, I'm, I'm very curious why Nigerians weren't, weren't up there. Yeah. Uh, maybe they much with most, I don't know, African-American, black I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, what's your initial thoughts when you saw that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, my initial thought is it pretty much busts the whole myth of white supremacy. Because if white supremacy was real, or as real as they say it is, they would be atop that list. Um, because the whole concept of, of being a supremacist mm-hmm. of any sort, uh, based upon race or sex or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. is putting up roadblocks or obstacles of impossibility in the way of other people who aren't like you or part of your supremacist group getting to the top mm-hmm. especially making you look bad the mm-hmm. fact that they were what number five or six uh,
0: they were number Whites. six
1: yeah six, six yeah yep. the fact that they were number six yep. and you had you had uh four other ethnic groups ahead of you yeah um all asian all asian yeah
2: <laughs> indian
0: japanese right. um uh, 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 uh chinese mm-hmm. And uh, Pakistani. Right. So what? So, when I look at data like that, all I ask is, I don't, for me, I when I look at stuff like that, color is not the first thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. My question is, what do they do? Yeah. <laughs> that's what comes to my mind. Right. Like, what do these guys do? Like, what is <laughs> what does an Indian do? And then I look back, and where I'm from in Chicago, the big university there is UIC, University mm-hmm. of Illinois Circle Campus, mm-hmm. downtown Chicago. Yeah. And this rephrased the last 15, 20 years to be the University of Indian and Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you go down there. That's right. all. Is going to school there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the, the, there's an investment mm-hmm. of education, academics, mm-hmm. and then your, your typical doctor that I run into are Indian. Right. Uh, uh, the, the, I'm surprised Filipinos weren't there. But uh, you go into healthcare system, Filipinos run the, nur- the nursing right. side of things. Mm-hmm. Coupled with their doctor, Indian right. uh, uh, from Asia. Yeah, neighbors. <laughs> Pakistani. I mean, if you look at India and Pakistan, you know the them is that war. Mm-hmm. But Pakistan and, and India are right there. Right. Right next to each other. Yeah.
1: It's all cultural. It's all cultural. Uh, Thomas Sowell belabors this point. Uh, But but, you know, the reason why I bring up the whole white supremacist thing is because this is a a tired narrative. That's an excuse for laziness. That's right. And the fact and and no one is as affected by this more than the very last people on that list sitting at number 10. Black Americans. Black Americans.
0: Can I bring can I bring this up? Uh, can Can you take a look at my screen? Is it possible for you guys to look at my screen? Okay. So I, I brought this up too as well. The power of black dollars. Categories with percentage of black spending is great in proportion to their population. At the top is what? Eighty-five percent is ethnic. Yeah. Ethnic,
1: ethnic hair. Based. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. <laughs> so
0: so that's 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 the that's the crazy part about what's being spent. And then women's fragrances, right? Feminine hygiene. Our women. Yeah. Our ladies, men's toiletries, personal soap and bath needs. And and by the flip side, do you know who the biggest purchaser, the biggest purchaser of insurance and personal pensions are? Who's that? Indians.
1: Indians. Wow. One of the largest purchasers we can stop the screen. That makes
0: sense. The, the largest purchaser of financial products and services in the world
1: mm-hmm. are Indians. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but this whole this whole you know white supremacist narrative again it's it's a debil- it's a debilitating narrative because it says that I don't have to make smart investments. It says that I don't have to try hard. I don't have to pursue a skill or a talent that is useful to the world. This is what that narrative does, and again, nobody has been affected by it as much as, as black Americans, unfortunately. How do we turn this around? I, I try to every day um, sure. with my own platform. It's not a very large platform, but I try to really educate people on for, for one, taking responsibility. Not every answer to your problems is a government pro- is a government answer. Yeah. It, it's all, it all falls on you. When you can look at like just this list that we went over, When you look at that and you see that other ethnic groups are not white are doing very well in this country they're brown just like you're brown Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so what's 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 their success the success is cultural you know i mean the answer is cultural they value education they value family they value productivity and it's for that and they don't they don't they don't don't, uh, distract themselves with who is a racist and who isn't who's supremacist who isn't they don't distract Mm -hmm. themselves with any of that they just go for it they get it and uh unfortunately because we we focus so much on who's a racist who isn't a racist and it's getting out of hand it's gotten out of hand um this has not bowled well for black youth again so so ownership ownership by the way that's probably uh productivity
0: to be completely you know, objective is I remember this in Chicago because he was campaigning in Chicago that's, mm-hmm. that's where he was a senator in Illinois but remember, Obama come up with a campaign phrase. It was the era of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. How ironic is that?
1: Yeah. But no, there's no era of personal responsibility. Right. It's personal dependency. Personal dependency. Versus responsibility. You get the nail on the head. You get the nail on the head. And the thing is, is like, when you look at the fact that there's so much focus in America on race, it, I mean, it is a race grievance industry. There's a lot of your politicians who have built their careers on trying to get liberation for black folks. Uh, You have a lot of liberals, white liberals, black liberals, uh, who have made it their business to try to advocate for for black folks, people like Jane Elliott and others. These are are political hacks. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have the political front, you also have the cultural and personal responsibility front that that black culture is lacking, um, where we don't look at – black culture as a thing that needs to be fixed. We don't look at black culture as a problem. Remember, it goes back to the social gospel. We don't look at black culture as a problem. We look at society as a problem. The fact that we are having most of our babies out of wedlock or aborting them, the fact that uh, we are naming our kids all these odd names that they can't get a job with. We're not going to church anymore. Right, exactly. The fact that all of these things are true doesn't mean that we're the problem. It means a society that doesn't look uh doesn't look glowingly at those things that's the problem because they're not accommodating us we think we should be graded on a curve you know what i'm saying it's it's kind of like sure. cat williams in that uh yeah. in that in that interview where he said you know because kanye west struggles with bipolar disorder, you should grade him on a curb. You shouldn't grade him in the same way that you grade everybody else. Yeah. This is how black culture feels. Because we have dealt with slavery and Jim Crow and yeah. white supremacy and this that, and the other, grade us on a curb. Don't don't hold us accountable for our own, uh, yeah. our own mishaps, yeah. even though we're so far removed from, from slavery and so far removed from all yeah. these things. That doesn't mean that those things were atrocious, yeah. but who among us come from a people that haven't Dealt with yeah. atrocities. We all have dealt with atrocities. Slavery is in the Bible. Right. Stop using that excuse. Yeah. We all deal with atrocities. But the fact that, again, on the political front, they belabor the issue that you're downtrodden, you're oppressed. And then on the cultural front, we're not doing anything about our own mess. That creates, once again, being dead last in these kind of lists. Unless and less than until we resolve to do something about our culture yeah. and stop blaming the white man. Yeah. We're going to forever be in this situation. So I don't have any sympathy. Yep. I don't have any sympathy because I am a heavily melanated man. <laughs> so this whole concept of you don't know what it's like to be black. Actually, I, I do. And there, there's nothing like I have white friends. I have Hispanic friends. I have Asian friends. And my struggles, mm-hmm. they deal with the similar kind of struggles in yep, life. There, sure. There's nothing special about being black. I can guarantee you that. Um, I don't know. It, it, the whole thing to me is just, is just so ridiculous. Another reason why I don't sympathize with it is because I used to be homeless at one point in wow. my life. I lived in my car. Wow. I don't tell people this because the thing is, I'm not trying to win anyone's sympathy. But to the extent that you're going, to, you're going to use my skin color to try to bully other people into accommodating you, I have to speak up and say, no, Stop! stop being a pitiful grown man. Take responsibility of your own crap and get your stuff together. So there's God. no excuse at all.
0: My, my last question for you here, before we start wrapping up is, is, which is, I think you already answered it, is what keeps any ethnic group down? Is it racism or culturism?
1: Cultural. It's 100% cultural. The fact is, black culture today is in such shams that it causes people to recoil away from it. Now, there's people that get rich off of it. It, it used to be... Those are the culture vultures. Right, and those and are the and culture and vultures. But before the 1960s, the man to aspire to be in the black community was the pastor, the entrepreneur and the father. Those were the three. Wow. Um, what we've managed to do since the 60s, going into the 70s, there was something called exploitation films. Black exploitation films were films that glorified things that used to be taboo in black culture, namely pimping, hustling, drug selling, being a de- degenerate. They glorified all these things in yeah. the 70s films. And it, and it wasn't something that the whites or the Jews were doing to us. No, you have black actors who are all too willing to play the part and pimped out. Yeah, I'm they were, a they were yeah exactly. One hundred percent. So as you get into the 80s, into the 90s, you have the introduction of gangster rap and you have the introduction of all these things which are leaning heavy into this degenerate culture. If you look at black and white photos from the 40s mm-hmm. of black families and white families. You see no distinguishable difference. They dress the same, they look the same, they walk the same, they take care of their families the same, everything's the same. There's no, there's no, emphasis on being black and being separate and being different you don't get that until the 70s with the say it loud i'm black and i'm proud this kind of black culture like leaning into blackness wearing the african garb naming your kids african sounding names you have this kind of desire to separate ourselves to be other than wow and what are all the 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 results of that well you see a widening of disparities this is what thomas Sowell talks about the disparities it used to be the fact that three out of four kids were growing up in a in a two-parent household in the black community now we're in a situation where 70 plus percent of black kids are growing up with a mother and no father in the home
0: so single-parent household mother-led yeah yeah
1: so how do you explain this other than we're governments daddy. A shifting in culture yeah. and so where we used to look to our fathers entrepreneurs and pastors as an example or an, as something to aspire to be we now look to the rappers the film producers and mm-hmm. things of this nature, how is it that Jay-Z, and I'm not going to knock his hustle or anything like that, but like Jay-Z brags about you, know, the fact that he used to be a drug dealer. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, all these guys, like the, the, the athletes and the, things of this nature, um, they're making a lot of money, which there's nothing wrong with making money. You'll never hear me you know, yeah. talk negatively about somebody making money. Um, but that in in a lot of our minds is enough to put them in a place of high regard and high status. Mm-hmm. And so from there, we then look at their lifestyle and that's what we aspire to be. We aspire to, to, to mimic that culture. And, we, and then we wonder why so many people recoil away from us. They don't recoil away from us because of the color of our skin, that's foolish. They recoil away from us because our culture sucks. Mm-hmm. And I know that's that's a lot for a lot of people to take in because we're, we're supposed to be nice. We live in a very PC culture. Yeah. But you're not going to get that from me. Yeah. Our culture, Black culture sucks. It just does. Nobody wants to live around it. When Whenever you see Black families moving into a lot of these neighborhoods and people moving out, um, yeah, it sucks if, the, if these if these whites and, and other ethnic groups aren't taking the time to get to know these people. Um, and, and, I, and I sympathize with that. But at the same time, we, we we have to look at how black culture has so put an impression in people's minds that that's something that they want to get away from yep. and not something that they want to be associated with.
0: One one last thought. We'll wrap up with this. People might hear you saying, wow, this guy, man, Chad, man, he's kind of selling out. He's like the Uncle Tom. <laughs> he's the Uncle Tom of the black culture, right? Right? And we were just talking earlier what Uncle Tom really meant, though. Right, right. Can, can you finish us on that last exclamation point?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this whole concept of selling out and, and whatever. I mean, I make this point. This was probably one of my most viral videos, that uh, when people tell me that I, I sold out, I reject that because I am a continuation of what my father my great-grandfather and my great-great-grandfather did for me. These were entrepreneurs. These were men who were proud of their country, who were raising their families, who were real men. Yes. Real men. Yes. And so for me, I'm a continuation of that. If anything or anyone has sold out, it's the people who have left that, who put their hand, who took their hands off the plow, and decided to pick up the picket sign, decided to, you know, run to the, to Big Mama government to try to get something out of the government. Like, no, you're the ones who sold out. I, I'm I'm still doing what my great grandfather did before me. And so, if you listen closely to the message that I'm conveying, it's not that white people you know, are, are superior to Blacks and, and, and they do everything great. And we do everything like, no, my message is we can do better than what we're actually doing. If we decide to stop focusing on white people and stop focusing on what white people are, or are not doing for us. If you really want to show the world that we as Black culture, whatever the case may be, is something worth respect and something of worth, you know, worth, worthy and dignity, then. The only way that you do that is putting your hand back on the plow and getting back to work, getting back to business. Yeah. That, that's that's. I'm not trying to please for you know white people. I'm not trying to show out for white. Like no, it has nothing to do with that. I, I honestly don't care what what another man or woman thinks of me, but it is my responsibility to make sure that I'm being presentable, that I'm taking care of my family, that I'm taking care of my business, regardless of who who it is I come into contact with. Yeah. So if you want to call that a sellout, that's fine. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to let go of principles and standards, so I can be looked at favorably by a culture that's sick. Yeah. Black culture is sick, and unless and until you diagnose the sickness, it will forever be sick.
0: Powerful. You've heard it here, Chad O. Jackson. Make sure you follow him on the Instagram. Follow his YouTube channel too, as well. Uh, I'm just. Honored to have you here. Yeah, I I see you leading the way on your Instagram. I see you leading the way. The conversation that you are having, the people that you are attracting and building, the, the community that you're growing, respect. Um, it's not easy to do, yeah. but you're doing it. And uh, the picture you took with Alan West, with mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Jesse Lee, uh, Jesse Lee Peterson. Pearson, yeah. um, uh, that was a powerful thing. Obviously, uh, Officer Tatum was giving an uh, <laughs> Illuminati <laughs> signal with his hand or something like that. <laughs> but that was a powerful picture nonetheless, right. and that's right. what you're doing. And when I look at that picture, I think of power. Mm-hmm. I think of empowerment. Mm-hmm. I think of men being men mm-hmm. leading the way. So I appreciate you taking some time, investing with us here on the 7 Figure Squad podcast, man. Thank you. I love it. Make sure you guys do, if you've watched it until this point, drop empowerment in the comment section. I just want to know who's watched it till the very end. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. Again, if you watched it, make sure you click like and share this with people that you love and care about. That being said, from Dallas, Texas, I'm your Money Smart Guy i behalf Chad O. Jackson. Until we meet again. Continue to live smart. Continue to love smart. And be money smart today. See you next week. Bye-bye.